Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Café Familienville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Professor of Finance and Director of the award-winning Birken Road Reports, Peter Raschuti. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There are very few things we can all agree on. Employers, employees, politicians, and parents have a range of divergent views on most subjects, except one, education. Everybody agrees that education is the fundamental driver of a healthy economy and a healthy society. We attribute a good education system to everything from full employment and a low crime rate to individual self-fulfillment. From that position of unity, we very quickly return to our more familiar positions of vastly different opinions, and lots of them, when it comes to deciding how exactly we ought to educate children. Vanessa Williams is a proponent of a style of education called Montessori. It's been around for over 100 years. It can be found all around the world, including 4,000 Montessori schools in the United States. Now, Vanessa founded the Ashton Grace Montessori School in Lafayette in 1993. Vanessa, welcome down to lunch. Thank you. And Sasha Nick believes you can teach any subject through art. That's what she does at her children's art studio, The Little Paintbrush. Sasha founded The Little Paintbrush in Lafayette in 2004 and has classes for both kids and adults that range from straight-ahead art class to summer camp and painting parties. Sasha, welcome out to lunch. Hi. Now, Vanessa, I'll start with you. Typically, educators like you are motivated by delivering a style of education that you believe is best for child development and learning. At the, uh, at the end of the day, all children, no matter which education system they have been through, are going to end up in college and in the, in the workforce. Are there long-term studies that have followed kids into college and, and the workforce and tracked differences in the type of occupation or measures of success depending on the elementary and high school education system they experienced? I think that one good thing to check out might be a book by Dr. Angeline Lillard. She's a uh, doctor of psychology, professor of psychology, I think right now at University of Virginia. She utilizes testing to make comparisons between traditional educational method outcomes and Montessori children who have been in AMI Montessori schools and ours is such a school. Some of the results demonstrate that the students are very proficient in math and sciences on a higher plane. Sometimes the testing compares uh, Montessori children to very fortunate pupils of other schools who do very well and sometimes um, to just the average student and it, it usually bodes well. How do you start a school? I don't, I'm not sure how you'd go about that. You have to call the Department of Education, right? And yes, you, you're granted something called, as I'm sure you have as well, Sasha, an ans ancillary certification and that's in the past been granted as a lifetime certificate, so mine are at the primary level, but the way Louisiana sees it, which is a bit more limited, and then I have another one that takes me through to high school. Well, what about the business of that? You start a school, I mean, is it like build it and they will come? Pretty much. <laughs> um, when I got here, I received a telephone call one day, and 
somebody introduced themselves and asked if I needed a, a place to practice, saying that her father, the grandfather of her firstborn, heard that I was in town and wanted to let me borrow a building. And so I did. And um, I taught the child in return, and that went on for a couple years. They, he was living in Texas at the time and was familiar with Association Montessori International Credentials. He was in Houston, as a matter of fact. And they granted that building, uh, practiced there for a while, created a very small setting school, which is still the case, actually. We moved once and then once again to the uh, property that we occupy now. Now, Sasha, art education is typically the last thing on the list of budget priorities in schools. It's often the first thing to get cut when finances get tight. The response from art teachers is usually an argument that administrators just don't appreciate art education and don't realize what it accomplishes. Now, when you say you can teach anything through art, what do you mean by that? And what real-world skills does art education impart that politicians and budgeters uh, might not appreciate? I think they just don't understand or are not comfortable with teaching art in their classroom because to them it might be messy, it might be a disaster. It, they don't, they're not artists, so it's hard to teach right. art or education through art if you're not an artist. So you and that's can, what you are, right? That's what that's I am. Okay. So, you know, their projects may be something more of crafty, whereas my projects are, are deeper and wider and you actually learn something. So to tie it into teaching education through art. Um, now I taught in the public school system for 12 years, integrating okay. art into the curriculum, directly working with Was the that teacher. Here in Lafayette? Mm -hmm. okay. Through the PACE program, through the Katiana Center for the Arts. So I was assigned a teacher in a grade level and I would work with them directly to show them how to teach a child the regular core curriculum through an art project. So if we were going, if they were studying, say, you know, plants, we would draw oh, with, art with art supplies and draw a plant and grow it on the paper, talking about the parts of the plants. And then the kids could go back and turn after I've left and use that to label the parts of the plants or to um, make a key for the parts right. of the plants. And um, it's funny that Vanessa and I are here together because I have Montessori training as well. And I Look totally use the training as a hands-on in almost all the art projects that I teach. So, and Vanessa's very hands-on with her kids and that's how they learn, well, so. The, you brought up a very good point already though, the idea that art wouldn't be viewed as a separate subject, but integrated Correct. into the curriculum. That's pretty terrific. Correct. If there were time and funds in, say, the public school system to have an artist go in and work with the teachers on the subject area that the kids might be having a hard time learning, then I think they would see a huge difference in, say, the testing scores because not all kids learn this way, cookie right. cutter. So I come in and say, hey, let's do this. And some of those kids that you've not been able to touch or, you know, be able to pull out something, all of a sudden, they're learning. But Sasha, if you, you were there, in, integrated in the system, and then you decided to start your own business, how did that decision get come about? Well, that was a hard decision that I had to make because they were cutting the budget for the program that I worked in. And so instead of sitting around waiting for them to decide that we were important enough to be in the schools, 
I decided to make mine my my job instead of making it my side job. Okay. So, um, so that's kind of how I got out of the schools. Now I still work in the schools on a limited basis, but um, not as fully integrated as I was before. So how's it work now, Sasha? Where you um, do people? Uh, a young person wants to come in, it's a, it's a fee, it's, it's totally separate from the mm -hmm. school system. It is. Um, now I do still, the schools will still come in for different field trips and I'll go to their schools and I still work in teaching artist programs while I, where I do go into the schools, but how they come to my studio is like an after school program or um, getting their portfolios ready for the talented art program yeah, in yeah. the school system. Is it by, you by yourself over there? Uh, just me and my mom. Wow. <laughs> How's that work out? It works out great. <laughs> yeah. My mom is the reason why, you know, I am as creative as I am. Uh, she always made sure that we were out and about and, you know, seeing, looking all the time and noticing and, you know, being a part of the community and working with kids. And that's, I mean, I always like kids and I always like art. So I thought, eh. No, let's yeah, let's put uh, these two things together and <laughs> here we go. Good merger. They, so. uh, now, uh, Vanessa, what's the relationship between your school and the state or the local school district? How does that work? Our school is considered an independent private school. And then beneath that in an outline, it would be an independent Montessori school. Ah, all right. So do they have a say in what you do? Or are you supposed to be... Not, uh, is there a curriculum not, you have to keep with? Not, not as heavily. You know, I had an interesting experience. I have a friend in San Francisco, and he was telling me that all the, the tech guys out in Silicon Valley tend to send their kids to Montessori schools because um, it is more hands-on and less screen-oriented at a very young age. Another reason for that is that the precipice in the advanced method work or the older kid work at elementary is set in uh, research. So children are always using their curiosity to conduct research. And they learn how to pose a question and to do that when they're quite young. If the precipice in a three to six-year-old Montessori environment is that children learn to write and to create stories and literature, then they take that a little further once they arrive in the elementary. Uh, and how, how far do you go, by the way? Is it K through... Dr. Montessori created teacher preparations called primary, three to six years of age, and elementary, six plus to 12. Before she died, she began to write about something called aired kinder, or children of the earth, saying that older children, high school children, really need to be apart from their parents and actually design and create their own learning environments. There's, they've got it all under their belt before they leave the elementary, so now they can really learn to apply it down to designing and building the guest houses that their parents will stay in when they visit. <laughs> wow. They also have um, businesses on campus that the, these middle school 12 to 15 year olds create and guide and maintain. And Vanessa, where are you physically money. in town? I'm near University of Louisiana, about three blocks away. And Sasha and I have shared lots of students. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. we do. Actually, her, my first group when I, um, when I first decided that I was going to do some after-school classes in order to supplement my income from the school, um, her first probably five kids came to me, and they were four years old, and now they are, I mean, in college. Yeah. Those, wow. those, those guys. kiddos, yeah. When you think about art, um, and what, what does it bring to 
to a student, you mentioned something very important that this might be a, a better way to get to a student. Uh, are there certain skills that come about in doing art that are, are going to help them like in, the, in their jobs down the road? Is it a way of thinking or? Um, well, it's kind of a personal experience for every kid, right? Because I don't choose to grade their art because that might be their favorite piece of work. Right. So when I see a child's art and I don't really know what it might be, I don't say, what is that? I say, can you tell me about your oh, art? good words. Because I want them to tell me what experience they just had there because a lot of times kids will use art to vent, you know, or to have an emotion or maybe they had a bad day and, you know, they're using particular colors that are representing this bad day or this good day or, you know, uh, just an experience you know, that they're sharing on this paper. So my theory when they come to my art classes or my camps or, um, you know, even the birthday parties is that I don't want anybody, any kid to feel discouraged when they leave. So it's almost like you hike as fast as the slowest person. Right. You don't right, want to leave yep. anybody behind. I don't want to make any kid feel like when they left, they were less of an artist than they thought they were. And, you know, some kids come in, I, I can't draw. You know, that's, yeah. I can't draw. Well, no one told you how to draw. So let's go step by step. So, and I'm working with kids, and, you know, from five to 12, year, 12 years old in the same class. So I want to make sure the five-year-olds are doing five-year-old work and the 12-year-olds are doing 12-year-old work. And maybe the 12-year-olds are helping the five or they're right. like at Vanessa's school, their peers. I mean, they're interested in what their peers are doing. Right. The surest way to, to know something well is to share it with somebody else. And so children teaching children is a common practice I think in you know in both of our environments it's a very Montessori thing and and once a child has has received an idea and practice it concretely and then maybe written about it in their journal we request that they illuminate as in the fashion of monks illuminating their papers especially the elementary students of course who are doing a lot more journaling they are always adding art to mathematical works geometry and we call work like that follow-up. So in fact, they create an artistic representation of what they've just become familiar with. You're listening to Out to Lunch. My guests are Sasha Nick, the founder of Art Studio, The Little Paintbrush, and the founder of AG Montessori School in Lafayette, Vanessa Williams. Now, I've got to ask you though, Vanessa, is, if, as a parent, you know, you'd say, well, I grew up traditionally in the public school systems or the Catholic school systems and such. It's, um, it's a little bit of a leap to go to Montessori. Uh, is there a certain kind of person that sends their children to Montessori or? The parents tend to maybe think about, or at least I hope, think about where this young human will be when he's an adult. What kind of an, an adult am I gonna help to prepare and set off into the world? So by allowing that child or setting up environments that invite uh, critical objective work and lots of opportunity for nurturing and compassion, since it's a multi-age setting for children and for humans, it always supposes an opportunity to nurture someone who's maybe not having quite as good a day or who is quite young or quite small. The ages are balanced and even the genders, even the personalities are balanced well, to see what, invite this, that. Well, this conversation is so interesting to me because when we talk about how everything in life has changed over the last... 50 years, one of the things that keeps coming back is that education itself hasn't changed all that much. It hasn't evolved. Uh, it is on your side, I think, but I mean, we're, you know, we still have the, um, 
you know, the, the sage on the stage kind of uh, situation with somebody and they're taking the information in. Uh, what do you see as the, the changes going forward? Well, if you were to walk in one of my environments and observe you, it would be hard for you to find me. I'm not at a desk. I'm not in the front or in the center. Uh -huh. you, you know, it, I'm all over the place. And I'm generally often on the floor presenting something to a child. Um, I give a presentation and then I observe the small group or the individual as they practice it. And they can discuss it back with me. They can finish it, go and teach a friend. They can illuminate it, draw it, create a piece of sculpture regarding it. In fact, yeah. Sasha could mingle seamlessly in my environment and probably vice versa. <laughs> right. Probably have, and we don't remember years ago. Uh, but but we probably have. Let me ask you both of you, I guess now you've got your mom, but um, people tell me that, you know, that are running successful businesses that um, they have trouble finding the right employees. I mean, in your particular case, Vanessa, I would think, you know, not everybody is kind of cut out to do this end. You have to have a deep respect and a sincere, thrilling love for the child. Yep. And a, a, yep. the respect is easy, so easy for me. All of the children are beautiful, exquisite, put works of art in as they are now and what they can become. And it's just, uh, that's the way I feel. There's nothing more fun than going to work and working with my students. I, I feel the same way. Like, it doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having. I'm going to walk in and a kid's going to come up to me and say, well, I like your earrings. <laughs> and it'll be followed by the next one that says, well, I like your shirt. You know, every day, they're, they're little magical individual right. little beings and they are genu genuinely happy. And when they walk into your school and when they walk into my studio, they are so excited to be learning what they're gonna learn that they can hardly <laughs> relax, <laughs> you know? And so it just, it, uh, there's no way I could be in a grumpy mood standing in front of those kids, <laughs> yeah. and nor should I be, right? After a while, I realized when I was a, a specialist in Houston at Post Oak Montessori, I realized I'd never raised my voice in like three years. And at wow. home, I didn't have to because right. I was just out of school and I lived alone. Right. <laughs> and then I, I realized <laughs> that looks bad, really. there was no place that I raised my voice because it right. was just so And so you shouldn't sublime. have to in either of the things that we do. You shouldn't have to. They're there because they want to be there. They're there they're because they are just a sponge for learning. And, you know, um, I try to keep them individual, give them as many choices as I can, understanding that I have, you know, a wild mess of paint or sculpture and she has rules that need to be followed and they do it because they love it. Well I've got a lot more questions to ask you but Sasha and Vanessa this is the part of the show we call your brother-in-law. Uh, you're finally wrapping up a long day of work when your phone rings it's your brother-in-law. Now normally he only calls when he wants you to babysit his parrot when he's going out of town but this time things are a little different. Uh, Sasha your brother-in-law has a great idea for a business partnership He's calling it Kids Color Acadiana, and here's how it works. He'll line up house painting jobs, and you can supply kids <laughs> to paint them as part of their class. They're already paying you for the art class, and he'll very kindly also cut you in for 5% of the house painting fee. <laughs> uh, what do you tell him? Oh, I say I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Let's do this. You know, let's make this city bright and beautiful and kids art everywhere. I, I don't think there's enough public art representing kids 
in Lafayette. So yeah, I'm usually up for a challenge. I'm usually in. <laughs> I'm, I'm usually like, although, although this is, you know, yeah. hypothetical, I'm already thinking of how we're going to do this. So, <laughs> you know, everything is an art project. Every piece of recycling is an art project. And so to me, that's just like another day on the job. I like the like the, the visual here, kind of the like an army of kids right. all painting the lower part of the mm -hmm. house. You can and already see what we're painting, right? Right, right. <laughs> this is uh, this is all going <laughs> to work right. out. They, now, Vanessa, your brother-in-law has a great idea. You're going to get a grant to hire a teacher to teach the kids car repair. You're going to pay him to be the teacher, and the kid's project is going to be to restore his 1975 Dodge Dart. What, what do you tell him? Wow, a Dodge Dart. Yeah, there's, uh, they, they still have uh, those? Well, either it will be when we get done with this project. There's, uh, <laughs> so some hands-on kind of... Uh, I'm thinking that he's, he's already read about my vocation because children like to admire and follow through what they see adults doing. So they, they want to do anything, especially with a car. Yeah. They've already got that figured out, and in fact, some days... My students have asked if they can wash my car. Really? And you're like, sure. This what is how you do it. <laughs> bullish on the car task. Oh, this is great. In fact, these might be ready by this weekend, these two projects. This is, this is really going to go. I, I do have to ask you, Vanessa, when it is a special kind of teacher at Montessori. Can you get student, um, a teacher that's been in the traditional public school systems or Catholic school system, and, um, and can they work in Montessori, or do you have to start somebody new every individual is different but it's often better not to have somebody with those preconceived practices or notions if there have been courses taught in school or habits or practices formed regarding discipline those don't mesh very well with the Montessori philosophy of allowing the child to be more independent yeah there's and you know we've talked about your passion for what you're doing for a living and that's that's terrific how do you view success on the business side? Um, uh, do, you, is the, do you have a profit margin goal? Do you have a revenue goal? It's always hard, and I think Vanessa wants, will, will agree with me. The business side is the worst side Kinda of it. <laughs> we want to be getting our hands dirty with the kids, you know. So, you know, it's, it's always like, oh, got to pay the taxes or got to do the quarterlies. You know, that just takes time away from you planning and preparing and getting ready for the next group of kids to come in or the next project that I'm thinking in my head. I don't like sitting behind the desk. I don't like staring at a computer. For me to punch a clock would be just oh, terrible but for yet me. But you do it. I mean, you, you need to... I do it. You know, it's not like you're oblivious to this, you need to no, bring in a certain revenue. Exactly. So I'm always trying to think of different projects, different, you know, ideas. What about yourself in the same kind I'm, of thing? You, I'm you great with numbers, um, yeah. but I have somebody else do that brand of work. Uh, the, the work, the job is my hobby. <laughs> <laughs> what about when you started? You, you said to yourself, I'm going to put this school together. I'm going to try to attract people. In the beginning, did you think I'm probably going to lose money on this in the in the, in the beginning stages? Or? No, I didn't. Um, I loved my work. I needed to do it independently because I had a child for whom I wanted to create such a school. And, the, you know, it was a means to uh, a parental end. It wasn't um, so much a concern for an income. 
Yeah, it'd be bad if you sent your kid somewhere else. That would be <laughs> right. Thing. Well, she was there as long as I was allowed to have her, <laughs> <laughs> until she was too old or too tall. That's right. <laughs> too That's too right. tall for this ride. The, uh, do either of you have plans to expand? Uh, is, is that is that out there? Or I feel of responsibility to this part of our country, this part of Louisiana, to expand, and let's hope that my daughter, who's beginning to practice, takes that on. Ah. So if she's listening, do not take that job at Right now she's teaching. She's teaching, <laughs> all right. right. Won't be much of a uh, call. No. You know, I've been asked, I think what I do is very unique, and the projects that I create and that the kids eventually do are, I've not seen it really anywhere. Some might think, but I don't think so. Um, I've been asked by many of people that have lived in Lafayette or have and have moved out or come to visit their grandparents at Christmas or this summer and they come to my program, they're like, we don't have anything like this in Florida. We don't have anything like this in Texas. Can you come? And, you know, that just seems so big. It does. You I mean, know, it, and it scary. Would be a whole different thing. You'd have to hire people, which is a, right. quite a chore. And, right. Uh, Even, you know, branching out to Youngsville seems like, ugh, like a <laughs> lot, you know. It's, but never anything. There's never been anything that's been out of the question. Like, I I do this because I love it, just like Vanessa does hers. And, and I want to share so bad this wealth of art, you know, art knowledge that I have. I just have to figure out how to do that, you know, without giving away all my secrets. Yes. Well, if any two people could do it, it's, <laughs> it's you two. They, uh, education is not a one-size-fits-all proposition. Like the children it serves, education itself comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Uh, this has been a very informative conversation from two very interesting and experienced perspectives. Uh, Vanessa and Sasha, thank you so much for sharing so much of your knowledge with us today, and, and really thanks for taking the time to join me in Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. My guests in Out to Lunch today have been Vanessa Williams, founder of the AG Montessori School in Lafayette, and Sasha Nick, founder of The Little Paintbrush. You can find out more about Vanessa's school and Sasha's studio by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. Today's show is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe V is open Monday through Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. Our producer is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our theme song, On Kuimis You a Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Our Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, Zach Barker from The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escadet. If you want to know what we look like, and I know you really do want to find this out, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Gwen Oakland. You can get the show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites. It's Acadiana.com and krvs.org. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Cali Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is pet and family friendly with free parking and free Wi-Fi. Additional support comes from ABiz Magazine and AcadianaBusiness.com, the essential information source for business decision makers throughout the one Acadiana region. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Cafe Vermilionville for more business 
Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch Acadiana is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S. Providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com Support also comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette.